Listen to any earnings call with the Borstar Earnings Call mobile app now available on the App Store. Check the show notes for the download link. Thank you and welcome to AMD's second quarter 2018 conference call. By now you should have had the opportunity to review a copy of our earnings release and slides. If you have not reviewed these documents, they can be found on the Investor Relations page of AMD's website, www.amd.com. Participants on today's conference call are Dr. Lisa Su, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Devinder Kumar, our Senior Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Treasurer. This is a live call and will be replayed via webcast on our website. I would like to highlight a couple of important dates for you. Jim Anderson, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Computing and Graphics, and Ruth Cotter, Senior Vice President of HR, Worldwide Marketing, and Investor Relations, will attend the Jeffries 2018 Semiconductor, Hardware, and Communications Infrastructure Summit on August 28th. Also, Devinder Kumar, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, will present at the Deutsche Bank Technology Conference on September the 12th. And our 2018 third quarter quiet time will begin at the close of business on Friday, September 14, 2018. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements based on the environment as we currently see it. Those statements are based on current beliefs, assumptions, and expectations, speak only as of the current date, and as such, involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from our current expectations. We will refer primarily to non-GAAP financial metrics during this call, except for revenue, gross margin, and segment operational results, which are reported on a GAAP basis. The non-GAAP financial measures referenced are reconciled to their most directly comparable GAAP financial measure in the press release posted on our website. Please refer to the cautionary statements in today's press release for more information. You will also find detailed discussions about our risk factors in our filings with the SEC, and in particular, AMD's quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the quarter ended March 31, 2018. Now with that, I will hand the call over to Lisa. Lisa? Thank you, Laura, and good afternoon to all those listening in today. We ended the first half of 2018 strong, delivering our fourth consecutive quarter of double-digit year-over-year revenue growth, driven by increased demand for our high-performance products. Second quarter revenue of $1.76 billion grew 53% year-over-year, and gross margin improved more than three percentage points resulting in our highest quarterly net income in seven years. We are very pleased with the year-over-year financial performance across both of our business segments as we continue to gain share driven by strong customer adoption of our new products in the PC, gaming, and data center markets. Looking at our computing and graphics segment, second quarter CG segment revenue increased 64% year-over-year driven by strong demand for our Radeon GPUs and a significant ramp of our Ryzen mobile processors. Ryzen unit shipments grew strong double digits sequentially as Ryzen mobile processor shipments more than doubled in the quarter. Acer, Asus, Dell, HP, Huawei, Lenovo, and Samsung launched dozens of Ryzen processor-based notebooks which position us well to continue growing Ryzen mobile sales heading into the back-to-school and holiday seasons. In the commercial PC market, 
we launched our Ryzen Pro commercial mobile APUs in the quarter. For the first time in our history, all three major commercial OEMs, Dell, HP, and Lenovo, now offer enterprise-class notebooks and desktops powered by AMD. And we are seeing strong initial interest as customers evaluate these new systems. Continuing our strong roadmap execution, we launched our second generation Ryzen desktop CPU to very positive reviews in April, just 13 months after the first Ryzen desktop processors were released. Additionally, in June, we delivered the first public demonstration of our second generation AMD Ryzen Threadripper processors with the industry's first 32-core PC processor designed for the high-end desktop market. We are on track to launch our second generation Threadripper processor in August with leadership performance for the enthusiast and content creation markets. Overall, we are very pleased with the market adoption of our Ryzen processors. 44 consumer and commercial Ryzen-based desktops and notebooks have been launched this year, and our customers remain on track to bring a total of 60 Ryzen-based systems to market in 2018. In graphics, strong channel and data center demand drove significant year-over-year -year increases in revenue and ASPs. Sequentially, graphics revenue was down, primarily driven by lower blockchain-related sales, partially offset by stronger data center sales. Sales into the high-end enthusiast and performance portions of the gaming market grew substantially year-over-year year based on the adoption of our latest Radeon RX 500 and Vega series GPUs. We continue to execute our software strategy to provide the best gaming experience in the industry with new AMD Radeon GPU drivers published for every major game launched in the quarter, and expanded partnerships with Ubisoft, Capcom, and Rebellion to optimize their next generation of games on Radeon graphics. On the hardware side, we continue to expand the adoption of our Radeon Vega architecture with the introduction of new OEM systems and AIB cards in smaller and more mobile form factors. Samsung also announced they added our FreeSync technology to many of their high-end TVs, giving PC and console gamers the ultimate big-screen gaming experience. The AMD FreeSync ecosystem is the broadest in the industry, with more than 400 FreeSync-enabled monitors and TVs in market to date. Data center GPU revenue increased significantly in the quarter, driven by Vega-based Radeon Instinct MI25 shipments. Our GPU engagements with large cloud customers continued to expand as we increased our investments in hardware and open software solutions in this important space. At Computex this year, we showed the first public demonstration of our next generation 7 nanometer Radeon Vega GPU which includes new features optimized for the artificial intelligence and machine learning markets. We started sampling of this product in the second quarter, and we are on track to launch this next generation product, the world's first seven nanometer GPU later this year. Turning to our enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment, second quarter segment revenue increased 37% year over year primarily driven by strong semi-custom sales 
and growing adoption of our EPIC data center processors. Starting with our server business, we celebrated our one-year anniversary of the launch of our EPIC server processors with an increase of greater than 50% in, in both revenue and unit shipments sequentially. We have over 50 customer platforms now in market, including Cisco, who announced their highest density server offering ever, powered by EPIC processors, and HP Enterprise, who launched their first EPIC-based single-socket ProLiant server, which delivers significantly lower costs per virtual machine than the leading dual-socket competitor. We also saw strong progress with our mega data center partners, as Tencent Cloud announced immediate availability of their SA1 cloud service, delivering 30% lower cost per VM with outstanding performance across key workloads. Shipments for mega data center customers more than doubled in the quarter, as we made significant progress towards qualification of production instances at multiple cloud providers in anticipation of deployments planned in the second half of this year. We're also seeing momentum from tier two next wave cloud service providers that have the ability to ramp quickly with a noted preference for the value and capability that our Epic single socket offering brings. Turning to large enterprise customers, we added dozens of new end customers in the quarter. Our value proposition continues to be strong in segments like HPC, data analytics, and in general purpose virtualized enterprise environments. We are extremely focused on accelerating EPIC processor adoption in these targeted segments in the second half of the year. Finally, I'm very pleased with our execution against our long-term roadmap. We received first silicon of our next generation seven nanometer EPIC processor with Zen 2, codenamed Rome, in the second quarter. And the silicon quality and bring up has gone very well. I am happy to report that we recently started sampling Rome to select partners for early validation, and we are on track to launch in 2019, strengthening our already outstanding competitive position in the market. We remain focused on our near-term milestone of achieving mid-single-digit server unit share by the end of 2018 on the path to our mid-term goal of double-digit market share. Moving on to our semi-custom and embedded businesses, semi-custom revenue increased year-over-year year and sequentially in support of Sony and Microsoft game consoles. We are proud that Microsoft and Sony have collectively shipped well over 100 million AMD-powered game consoles in the current cycle. The game console market continues to be an important segment for us in the long term, and we are well positioned based on our strong partnerships and differentiated IP and design capabilities. Embedded sales increased by double-digit percentage year over year, driven by growth across the embedded gaming, industrial, and medical imaging markets. We also saw strong initial design wins for our new Epic and Ryzen embedded product families following their launch last quarter. In closing, we are very pleased with our second quarter financial results. We delivered strong revenue growth and margin expansion as demand for our new high-performance products continued to accelerate. Most importantly, we believe our long-term technology bets position us very well for the future. 
Several years ago, we made important decisions around our CPU and GPU roadmaps to drive leadership at the 7 nanometer node. We now have line of sight to those products coming to market, and we see incredible opportunities ahead based on the competitive positioning and customer interest in our upcoming 7 nanometer products. We are confident that with continued execution, we are on an excellent trajectory to drive market share gains and growth in revenue and profitability. We are focused on that continued execution as we make significant investments in our hardware and software roadmaps to deliver even more compelling products to our customers in the 2019 and 2020 timeframe. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Devinder to provide some additional color on our second quarter financial performance. Devinder? Thank you, Lisa, and good afternoon, everyone. Q2 was another strong quarter for AMD. Year over year, we grew revenue 53% and expanded gross margin to 37%, while significantly growing operating margin and earnings per share. Quarterly revenue of $1.76 billion was higher year over year, driven by strength across all product lines. Gross margin was up 360 basis points year over year driven by the ramp of new products. Operating expenses were $467 million, or 27% of revenue, down as a percentage of revenue from 34% a year ago. We are delivering operating leverage while launching new products and making strategic R&D investments to support our multi-generational product roadmaps. R&D investments in the first half of 2018 increased 25% as compared to the first half of 2017 in support of our future product roadmaps. Operating income grew to $186 million from $23 million a year ago. Operating margin was 11% and both our business segments reported double-digit operating margin percentage. Adjusted EBITDA was $228 million compared to $58 million a year ago and on a trailing 12-month basis, adjusted EBITDA has grown considerably to $666 million, resulting in gross debt leverage of 2.5 times. Net income was $156 million, a significant improvement compared to a loss of $7 million one year ago. This is our highest quarterly net income since 2011. Non-GAAP diluted earnings per share was $0.14. Cents using a diluted share count of 1147 million compared to a loss of 1 cent per share a year ago. Now turning to the business segment results. Computing and graphic segment revenue was 1.1 billion, up 64% year over year, led by strong sales of both Radeon and Ryzen products. Ryzen products accounted for approximately 60% of client revenue and we saw particular strength in Ryzen mobile processors in the second quarter as new notebook products continue to ramp. Strong channel and data center demand drove year-over-year year graphics revenue increases. Sequentially, graphics revenue was down, primarily driven by lower blockchain sales, partially offset by stronger data center sales. We believe Blockchain-related revenue declined from approximately 10% of our revenue in the first quarter to approximately 6% of our overall revenue in the second quarter. Computing and graphics segment operating income was $117 million, or 11% of segment revenue, 
compared to operating income of 7 million one year ago. The significant increase was due to strong revenue growth coupled with improved operating expense leverage. Enterprise embedded and semi-custom revenue was 670 million, up 37% year over year, driven primarily by semi-custom and epic processor sales. These results include higher than anticipated semi-custom revenue in Q2 due to higher inventory with non-cancelable purchase orders in accordance with ASC 606. Epic processor units and revenue grew greater than 50% quarter over quarter, primarily driven by mega data center sales. EESC operating income was 69 million or 10% of segment revenue, up from an operating income of 16 million a year ago on higher revenue. Q2 2017 operating income for EESC also included a licensing gain of 25 million. Turning to the balance sheet, our cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities totaled 983 million at the end of the quarter. Free cash flow was negative 88 million in the second quarter due to working capital requirements in support of recent revenue growth. Inventory was 750 million, up slightly from the prior quarter. Total principal debt, including our secured revolving line of credit, was 1.7 billion. Now, turning to our financial outlook. For the third quarter 2018, AMD expects revenue to be approximately 1.7 billion, plus or minus 50 million. This would be an increase of approximately 7% year over year, primarily driven by higher sales of Ryzen and Epic products, partially offset by lower sales of GPU products in the blockchain market. Sequentially, this would be a decrease of approximately 3% with higher Ryzen and Epic processor revenue offset by lower GPU revenue. In addition, we now expect semi-custom revenue to be lower sequentially in Q3 following higher than expected Q2 revenue. As a reminder, for comparative purposes, Q3 2017 revenue was $1.58 billion, adjusted for ASC 606 revenue accounting standard. In addition, for Q3, we expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 38%, up from 36% in the prior year, driven by the ramp of Ryzen and Epic product sales. Non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately $470 million, or 28% of revenue. Non-GAAP interest expense taxes and other to be approximately $35 million, and free cash flow to be positive. For the full year 2018, we continue to expect revenue growth of mid-20s percent, gross margin in excess of 37%, and to be free cash flow positive. In closing, Q2 was an excellent quarter, and 2018 is expected to be a solid year. I am pleased with our business execution and financial results, driven by the strength of our high-performance products portfolio. We remain focused on executing our long-term financial model for revenue growth, margin expansion, and improved profitability. Now with that, I'll turn it back to Laura for the question and answer session. Laura? Thank you, Devinder. Operator, we're ready for our first question here in the room. At this, 
At this time, we will be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star key. Our first question comes from the line of Mark Lepicus with Jeffries. Please proceed with your question. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, uh, Lisa, for you, on the, you know, it seems Intel seems to have pushed their uh, 10 nanometer volume ramp out into 2019, and I think a lot of people view uh, your Foundry 7 nanometer kind of the same um, zip code as, as their 10 nanometers. And I'm wondering if you could give us some context and or color on, on what does this mean? Does um, is it is if if you're a parity with Intel, have you have has AMD ever been a parity before with Intel, and um, does that change the conversation uh, with your with your customers um, in terms of their interest in your products? Uh, thank you. Yeah, Mark. Uh, thanks for the question. So, look, you know, in terms of our um, our roadmaps, both on the CPU and GPU side, um, you know, we made um, some important technology decisions um, a couple of years ago, and you know, we bet heavily on seven nanometer. Uh, we thought seven nanometer would be a big node for the industry, and it would be important for us to be early um, in the uh, in the adoption of seven nanometer. So, when you look at where we are today, um, especially on the CPU side, you know, we have um, you know we have first silicon of our uh, Rome product. Um, it looks very good. Uh, we also have um, a good number of architectural um, improvements and enhancements in Zen 2 uh, that will come with 7 nanometer technology. So, um, you know, we're very uh, pleased with where we are and where the competitive positioning is. And I would say, you know, to your question about, you know, how is it perceived, uh, you know, I think customers are very interested in, in where we are. I mean, clearly we have to execute. Um, but with uh, you know, our current generation, Naples customers have uh, certainly gotten to understand our architecture uh, with the improvements that we have going into 7 nanometer uh, with Rome. Um, I think there is um, you know, enhanced interest, and from a competitive positioning standpoint, um, we do believe uh, we have an excellent competitive position going into uh, 2019. So we're you know, very, uh, very excited about that. Thank you. Um, a follow-up, if I may, as we look at uh, the the double-digit bogey for for next year on on, on servers, is that um, do you, do you need Epic two to to get to that, and and what are the risks on 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 bringing that to market? Thank you. Yeah, so Mark, you know, um, we you know we view the double-digit share goal as an important share goal. You know, I think you know it, it certainly will uh, come with the uh, the second generation of Epic, so the uh, the um, the Zen two uh, product. But you know, I view it as a journey, right? I mean, we we have now you know sort of you know, three generations that, uh, that we have, you know, we have Zen 1 that's in the market today, we have Zen 2 um, that's, uh, you know, well into the productization phase, and then we have a very strong roadmap around Zen 3 as well. So we feel good about um, our competitive position and the path to, uh, to double-digit market share. Um, I think this is all about rate and pace, and we're working very, very closely with our customers to accelerate that ramp. And actually, I was very pleased, you know, I mentioned in the prepared remarks uh, um, earlier that, um, you know, in the second quarter, uh, we saw um, some nice um, acceleration of the mega data center uh, customers. So, uh, you know, we saw units there uh, more than double, and that's an indication that, uh, you know, we're getting uh, the right level of engagement and, uh, you know, progress with, um, with our, um, you know, large customers. Very helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
Our next question comes from the line of John Pitzer with Credit Suisse. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, Lisa, Devinder, congratulations on the strong results. Lisa, I wonder if you could just give us a little bit more detail into the foundry strategy at 7 nanometers and kind of how much flexibility do you have between your two foundry partners and to, to what extent if one of them is having troubles on, on 7, does the wafer supply agreement kind of give you the ability to move capacity without having to pay uh, for wafers? Yeah, sure, John. So, um, you know, a couple years ago, we did amend the wafer supply agreement. Um, it was a very uh, strategic um, agreement for us as we look um, over the long term. So at 7 nanometer, we are engaged with both uh, TSMC um, and Global Foundries. Um, I would say that uh, we, we do have, you know, on a product-by-product -product basis, um, you know, the choice uh, between, um, between the foundries and, you know, we make those decisions on a product-by-product -product basis. But in terms of our long-term roadmap and, you know, how we feel about it both on the GPU and CPU side, you know, the, the main message is, you know, we don't believe process technology um, is going to be a gate for us. Uh, we have a lot of architectural work, a lot of architectural improvements, uh, but we don't believe process technology is a gate for our roadmap. And then, Lisa, as my second question, can, can you help me better understand, because one of the things I know you've been working on aggressively with, with the launch of Epic 2 is your ability to cover a, a broader swath of workloads and just increase kind of the server TAM you can go after. So can you help quantify to me kind of as you go from Epic 1 to Epic 2 what that growth in, in workload coverage looks like? And importantly, as you continue to broaden out, how, how do we think about the R&D burden from here? Yeah, sure, John. So, you know, when we go from the first generation of Epic to the second generation of Epic, um, you know, I, I do think that uh, there are some improvements that we'll make in the architecture that will, uh, you know, that will expand the TAM. But from a TAM standpoint, we are not limited. I mean, I, I view our coverage today as 80% of the TAM. And, yes, yeah, some workloads are, you know, really clean kills, and other workloads are closer, but you know, we, we are servicing a large portion of the TAM. I think the value proposition increases with some of the architectural uh, improvements that we've made um, in the second generation of Epic, but you know, from the standpoint of, of TAM, I think we feel good about it. Uh, from an R&D standpoint, and you know, Devinder made um, the comment in our, um, in our prepared remarks that we did increase R&D by 25% uh, year on year, but I think we've done it in a very responsible way. So you know, we have revenue growth. Uh, we're seeing margin expansion, which is a very, very key piece um, of, um, of our business model. And then we will increase um, you know, R&D and, and go to market resources um, effectively, but I, I don't believe that we will ever increase um, you know, our OPEX ahead of, of revenue. I think um, you know, it's, a, it's a balance between um, each of those lines. So you know, we have these, um, um, I think we have a strong uh, roadmap at this point, and we'll look for opportunities to increase R&D, um, particularly on the software side, actually. I think we have, you know, um, a lot of opportunity on the software side across CPUs and GPUs um, to accelerate some of our machine learning work. And so that's where, you know, incremental R&D uh, would go. And then I can sneak one last one in, Lisa, just on, on the GPU side. I think this is the second or third quarter in the row that you highlighted incremental gains inside of the data center. Can, can you help size what that rep represents as a percent of revenue today? And I guess more importantly, as you bring to market the 7 nanometer GPU part, how are you thinking about exploiting that in the data center and, and kind of the TAM expectations or revenue expectations we should have over the, over the next kind of four to eight quarters? 
Yeah, so on the you know, GPU side, uh, there's no question that the demand for GPUs in the data center are growing very quickly, um, even uh, faster than um, on the CPU side, uh, for sure. And our data center engagements, um, you know, our, our focus on the GPU side is very uh, cloud-centric. So, you know, large customers, uh, you know, places where our GPU uh, capability um, can, uh, you know, can be uh, well targeted. Um, I would say the, the size of the business is still small. So, you know, we are growing, but um, it is still small. But there's lots of interest in our current generation MI25, and there's um, even uh, more interest in our 7 nanometer, um, you know, Vega GPU that's coming to market later this year. So we expect um, an opportunity to grow that segment, um, you know, over the next uh, four to eight quarters. And as you can see in the market, you know, overall the GPU uh, segment is growing uh, quite a bit in data centers, and so you know, we'll continue to invest uh, heavily in, in this area. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, John. Next question, please, operator. Our next question comes from the line of Vivek Araya with Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Please proceed with your question. Uh, thanks for taking my question. I, I wanted to just start with uh, clarification and then I have a follow-up. Uh, what's the assumption for blockchain um, revenue in Q3 and for the full year? Um, and just if you have an updated view of overall uh, 2018 sales growth. Yeah, sure, Vivek. So um, let me take that and then you know, Devinder can add if, if necessary. So um, for Q2, we were approximately 6% of revenue um, for uh, blockchain. Uh, for Q3, we're planning very little blockchain. So, uh, you know, we expected it uh, to be down um, in the second half, but we're planning uh, very little in Q3. And so if you update that on a full-year basis, um, you know, for 2018, blockchain will be lower than what we had previously um, uh, uh, discussed in the uh, last earnings call. So, you know, I would say, you know, previously we said, you know, mid to high single digits. You know, I think this, is, this would be more on the, the mid-single digit side. And you know, we'll continue to watch the market you know, develop um, over the next couple of quarters. Got it. And then, um, Lisa, have you seen any competitive response from Intel um, so far in either PCs or servers? You know, for example, um, you know, some of your desktop uh, parts uh, saw some uh, ASP uh, decline. Was it just mix or uh, price competition or anything else that uh, we should keep in mind? Yeah, sure, Vivek. So let me take um, each of the segments separately. So if you look at the PC segment, um, you know, what we have uh, seen is basically a ramping of our product portfolio. Uh, certainly in a desktop, um, we had um, some mix here in the second quarter where we um, increased the percentage of the um, APUs that were being sold into the desktop channel segment. And so you saw a little bit of a mix to, um, you know, a bit softer uh, desktop ASPs. Um, but overall, you know, when I look um, overall, um, I would say that the competitive um, situation is about what I would expect. You know, there's product competition and, you know, we see that. Um, you know, we, we do ensure that there is, you know, good transition of products. So when we moved from our first generation Ryzen to our second generation Ryzen, um, you know, we had some channel programs to make sure that, uh, you know, we managed channel inventory on the first generation. Uh, but we've seen nothing that I would call, you know, unusual. And on the notebook side, actually, I'm, I'm pretty pleased because, you know, we're really seeing the notebook side of the business pick up. And so mobile ASPs were up. Uh, the percentage of rising units um, in mobile were up. And, you know, we see that continuing um, into the second half of the year. Um, and then on the Epic side, um, again, I would say that, you know, the competition is, is, is really product-based and, 
Uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, there's some workload optimization that we do with customers, uh, but I haven't seen anything that's unusual relative to the pricing environment. And in fact, you know, as um, as Epic ramps, you know, our ASPs are going up. All right. And one last quick one, um, if I may. When should we expect to see the breakout quarter for Epic, um, Lisa? Will that be Q3, uh, Q4? Uh, what's the visibility um, around that? You know, I, I think we are uh, very focused on, you know, ensuring we deliver that uh, mid-single-digit, um, you know, unit share um, at the end of 2018. I think as we go into uh, the second half of the year, I, I would still see it as, uh, you know, fourth quarter would be a, a real uh, important quarter for us. I think we'll see ramps into third quarter. And, you know, the key is, as you know, with some of these cloud partners, um, you know, they're uh, it's, it's actually important, you know, when they um, actually ramp these uh, these larger instances. And so, you know, lots of lots of visibility into work being done, and the exact timing will depend on our our customers' uh, ramps. Okay. Thanks very much. Our next question comes from the line of Matt Ramsey with Cohen. Please proceed with your question. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you. Um, Lisa, a couple questions on the server business, and, and then I'll follow up on a couple of PC things. Um, in, in server, you, you guys have, have sort of laid out this mid-singles unit share number by the end of this year. And maybe you could walk us through that with a little bit of granularity. Like, how do you balance the, the what seems to be really high demand within the cloud customer base for Rome versus pushing volumes in the near term of, of Naples? Uh, and, and I think some folks had asked a couple of questions around process node, and um, you're obviously sampling already with, with Rome, so maybe you could be explicit about where you're manufacturing that. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So a um, couple of different questions there, Matt. Um, on the, um, you know, Epic, your uh, your question is, you know, Naples versus Rome and how we manage that. Um, look, our focus from a sales and go-to-market standpoint right now is on Naples. Um, you know, first-generation Epic, we have a lot of platforms in market, you know, over 50 platforms in market. There are a lot of customers that have systems um, in their labs going through various stages of qualification. And, um, you know, we're very focused on supporting that and, uh, you know, ensuring that, uh, you know, we see that ramp into the second half of the year. Um, Rome is really a 2019 story. Um, I think the, the good part about it is, um, you know, I, I expect that, you know, customers, um, you know, perhaps took a little bit longer um, in their um, initial, you know, qualification and, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, work around Naples, and um, you know, our uh, our hope is that as we go into Rome, you know, you see those qualification timelines tighten up a little bit. But uh, you know, no question that for 2018, it's a Naples story, and um, there's a lot of customer interest around Rome, and um, you know, we will manage that. But uh, we, we want to make sure that we also do um, as much of the validation work on our side, uh, you know, before. Uh, we sample uh, too broadly. Um, I think the good news is there's there's a lot of interest, and um, you know it's really just on us to to execute um, cleanly um, through the next couple of quarters. And Matt, you had some other questions, or yeah, I mean the the, the last one there on server was was about manufacturing for for Rome, and then I'll just uh, talk about some one thing on the PC side, particularly notebooks. One of the questions I'm getting most often from investors is as as the product portfolio from AMD improves um, dramatically and I think will again as you guys go to seven nanometer it, it seems like winning um, sell-in share with with OEMs um, is something that's 
that you guys have a bit of control of. Um, but but I wanted to ask a little bit about sell through and and consumer adoption and and sort of mind share around your client products. Um, Intel's uh, wound down a little bit some of the Intel Inside Marketing Program, and I know you maybe have some opportunities there. Maybe you could talk about some of the steps that your their marketing team is making to sort of maybe change and and refresh some of the consumer perception of the products um, relative to how quickly they've improved fundamentally. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Matt, on your uh, first question relative to the manufacturing of the second generation of Epic, so um, as I said earlier, you know, we uh, are working with both TSMC and Global Foundries in 7 nanometer. Um, As for the 7 nanometer ROM that we're currently sampling, that's being manufactured at TSMC. Um, And then your second question about uh, where we are in the PSPC market, you know, sell-in versus sell-out share. Um, Actually, it's a great question. Um, It's a great question. And, um, you know, when I look at the PC market, we have great relationships with the OEMs. I mean, you can see it from the number of platforms that we have out there. Uh, But there's no question that um, there's opportunity for us to get the consumer perception and the uh, commercial um, enterprise perception, um, you know, up. And, uh, and so we've been very focused on that, and um, you know that comes with um, additional investment in go-to-market expenses. So uh, you know getting the Ryzen brand out there, getting the Radeon brand out there, um, it includes um, additional training at some key retailers to ensure that they know how to sell Ryzen and they know what the value proposition is. And um, what we see is, you know, some clear signs of early momentum um, in sellout. So, you know, as um, our platforms launched here in the month of June, we actually saw on um, quite a few of the outlets that um, they actually sold out of our product, and we've had to uh, restock that um, uh, here uh, quickly. And as we go into the second half of the year, I think you'll see in both back to school and in holiday globally um, that we have a larger presence of assortment than uh, we have had in the past. So that's a clear focus for us um, in the PC market. Thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Our next question comes from the line of Stacy Raskin with Bernstein Research. Please proceed with your question. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, first, I wanted to ask about Ryzen share. I thought I heard you say that Ryzen was 60% of your CPU revenues in the quarter. I thought that's what you said it was last quarter as well. So how do I reconcile that with um, the other color around uh, the sequential growth um, of Ryzen into Q2? Yeah, so Stacy, it was approximately 60%. And when you look at it on a quarter-on-quarter basis, uh, you know, we had uh, you know, more units uh, overall in um, desktop and notebook. Um, particularly in notebook, we saw an acceleration of, um, of Ryzen mobile units um, in, in the notebook. So it's an approximate number. It's not a, not a you know, exact number, but it's approximately 60%. We also saw some legacy business um, you know, increase, and that, that's why uh, you see that. Okay, so basically it was maybe like a little below 60 before and like a little above 60 now, but kind of around 60? In that range, exactly. Okay. Um, for my second question, you said you had Epic up more than 50% sequential. And so that's kind of, I, think, I think it doubled last quarter. It's up 50% this quarter. But the same time, I think you're still running, you know, call it 1%, maybe a little, you know, kind of in that ballpark of share. So if you're going to get 5% eggs in the year, I mean, you've got to probably triple or, or more the current run rate by Q4. And I know you'd mentioned earlier that Q4 was going to be kind of like an important quarter. Is that the kind of, I guess, ramp rate or run rate you're actually thinking about for this Epic business um, into the back half of the year in order to meet your targets? Um, yes, Stacy. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we view um, an acceleration as we go into the second half of the year, uh, particularly as uh, some of these guys go into 
um, you know, larger production. But yes, there are um, a significant number more units. Um, I think we just see a pipeline that uh, that can accomplish that. Got it. One quick housekeeping: just why did the accounts receivable go up so much? The vendor. Again, I didn't get the question, Stacey. Account receivable. Uh, sorry, accounts receivable. Yeah. Why did it go up so much? Yeah, it went up uh, primarily, you know, it's higher revenue and timing of collections. Uh, so that's the main reason. In addition, there was an increase in this associated with unbilled AR for semi-custom revenue, which, as you know, is recognized under AS6, ASC 606. Uh, that, those parts have not shipped, but they get recognized as revenue, and that sits as unbilled AR under the AR line. Got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Daisy. Our next question comes from the line of Joe Moore with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question. Great, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the the Chinese JV and the product that's being developed there that you've that you've licensed. Um, can you talk about you know when you expect to see that product emerge and how do you think about that sort of AMD proper you know competing with the JV within those Chinese customers? You know, do, are you agnostic to to who wins or just how should we think about that? Sure, Joe. So, um, you know, we did uh, uh, start this uh, Chinese JV a couple of years ago, and the whole idea was to uh, get more share in the domestic China market. Um, the partnership has gone well. The product development is going well. Um, we view the product as complementary uh, to our current por portfolio. So I think from that standpoint, you know, we will continue to sell sort of AMD Epic into uh, the China market. And then, you know, for uh, certain domestic China applications, I think the China JV uh, product will be available. Um, they have not yet um, announced uh, the uh, exact timing of that, so I'll wait until the uh, official announcement of it. But, you know, so far it's gone as expected, and I think the, the product development has, has gone, uh, you know, quite well. Great. Thank you very much. Our Thank you, Joe. Next question. Our next question comes from the line of Hans Mosesman with Rosenbalt Securities. Please proceed with your question. Thank you. Uh, Lisa, a couple of questions. The, um, the timing of the uh, Ryzen version of 7 nanometer uh, after Epic, when, when will that happen in 2019? Is that a quarter after or six months? Just the timing. And then the second question is, how many of the mega data center guys are you actually engaged with at the moment? Thanks. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> Hanjo, uh, on the timing of the seven nanometer um, Ryzen, I, I, would, I would just keep it as it's after the, um, the seven nanometer Epic. So we'll, we'll launch seven nanometer Epic first. Um, I wouldn't say it's very far out, but um, I would say it's after. And then um, in terms of the mega data centers, you know, we are engaged um, you know, with all of them in some way, shape, or form across CPU and GPU. Um, you know, on the CPU, um, you know, on the CPU standpoint, I would say we are heavily engaged with five. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Kevin Cassidy with Stiefel. Please proceed with your question. Question. Uh, just again on Epic, uh, you were very clear that it was going to be about four quarters uh, in qualification before your customers would start deployment. With Epic 2, do you, uh, are there any programs in place or can we expect that it to be a shorter amount of time before that could be deployed? Uh, yes, Kevin. So um, I believe, and you know, of course, we'll have to see how this plays out, but I think with Epic, um, there were some customers who waited um, for us to completely qualify. 
uh, before they started, um, you know, let's call it their own um, evals, and, and that's to be understood because, you know, we were sort of returning to the market. Um, I think with uh, the second generation of Epic, one would expect um, that, um, you know, there would be some customers who would do, let's call it, parallel qualifications with our own qualifications. And so I think there is an opportunity to, um, you know, um, sort of overlap um, some of that work, and, and certainly that's part of the reason that we've started uh, early sampling um, as early as we have to uh, try to parallel, parallelize some of that activity. Okay, great. And, and on the uh, GPU um, traction you're getting in the data center, is there a high attach rate with your EPIC processors, or, or is that just an independent uh, traction? Um, I would say at the moment, um, you know, sort of for 2018, you know, type revenue, um, they are independent engagements um, at the moment. Um, I think as we move into the 7 nanometer node uh, with both um, Epic and our uh, Vega 7 nanometer, uh, there will be more of an attach rate, and, and there, there is more interest, frankly, in that, um, that attach. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Toshia Hari with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, thanks for taking the question. Um, how should we think about OpEx growth over the next uh, several quarters? It seems like you've been growing OpEx kind of in the 20% plus range. Uh, should that moderate going forward, or, or should we expect that to stay relatively, relatively stable? You know, I think the first thing is if you look at our model that we've laid out, we've said the long-term target model is stay within the range of 26 to 30%. Uh, this year, with the um, you know revenue guide that we're given in the mid 20s, uh, we are guiding to about 20, 28% opex uh, to revenue. A year-over-year basis, you're right. We have increased it, and largely those increases have been in R&D. If you look on the first half of 2017 to the first half of 2018, opex is up, but is largely weighted towards the R&D side. You know, we are pleased with the operating leverage that we are we are getting from a company standpoint uh, with the increase in revenue, but at the same time, you know, targeted investments very heavily in the product roadmaps and some of the things that you heard just heard Lisa just talked about from the products and all of the multiple levers that we have to increase revenue, we are definitely investing in those areas. Great. And as a follow-up, um Lisa, it's been a little bit over a year since you since you laid out your long-term financial model. Um, and I realize you know crypto has been sort of a sort of a tailwind since then. But is it fair to fair to say that um, you guys are on track to to hit the 75 cent and above EPS number um, x x crypto? Uh, yes, I think Tosh. Uh, if you um, look at the long-term financial model and, you know, put aside, you know, sort of temporal things, uh, we feel that we are um, on track towards that long-term financial model. Uh, you know, in some places, um, you know, we are ahead. In some places, um, you know, we, we are on track. But overall, I think we feel good about uh, where we are towards the long-term financial model. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Chris Bainley with Citigroup. Please proceed with your question. Hello, this is Wayne Lowe for Chris Stanley. Thank you for taking my call. Um, what kind of performance improvement uh, will 7 nanometer um, EPIC have over the current one? Yeah, uh, Wayne, I think we are, we're not yet getting into details of what the per performance improvement is of uh, the 7 nanometer EPIC. So I think we'll have more details on the architecture and where we are in performance uh, later this year. Okay, as a follow-up, um, you talked about your uh, goal of um, 
mid single digit share um, for for Epic by the end of the year. Uh, exit in the year, what do you think your share would be in uh, desktops and notebooks? You know, I think we'll continue to make progress in desktops and notebooks. Um, in particular, I think uh, you know we we expect that the notebook share will. Uh, will increase as we go into the second half of the year. You know, obviously the PC market overall is doing a little bit better than most people expected, and so we'll have to see how the market does. But from you know, our standpoint, uh, we don't have a specific share target out there for um, end of this year. You know, we believe we'll continue to gain share, um, you know, based on you know what we see in design wins at this point. Thank you very much. Thanks, Wayne. Our next question comes from the line of Ambrose Svrstova with BMO Capital. Please proceed with your question. Hi, thank you very much, uh, Lisa. I had a, uh, and I'm sorry if, if you addressed it earlier on, on the call. Uh, what is the timing for the 7 nanometer GPU? And then my related question on GPU is, could you just update us on what's the progress on the uh, software ecosystem, um, and specifically in competition with uh, the mode, seemingly huge mode that NVIDIA has built with CUDA? Thank you. Sure, Ambrish. So um, our 7 nanometer GPU is um, started sampling here in the second quarter, and uh, we will um, we will launch it later this year. So it, it will launch. Um, we expect it to launch in 2018. Um, as it relates to the software ecosystem, uh, we're, we're making good progress. You know, we're making incre incremental progress um, each quarter. And uh, you know, the important thing and the reason, you know, our strategy right now in you know, GPUs in the data center is to engage with um, you know, sort of large cloud guys uh, who have you know, the ability you know, to work with us and you know, in some sense um, you know, we're focusing our software efforts on you know, their needs first and that allows us to you know, kind of do this um, you know, sort of vertical by vertical. So I think we're making you know, good progress. Um, it's a multi-year effort and you know, we, are, uh, we are very clear that it's a multi-year effort, but you know, we have seen some initial positive uh, momentum and we're going to continue to invest in this space. So it's the number one investment priority for, uh, for us. So in data center, Lisa, sorry, just a quick follow-up. What areas have you been able to uh, gain traction in uh, within the and, and it's a pretty large area within within machine learning. Where where specifically have you been able to uh, wedge yourself in? Thank you. Um, yes, again, we're we're working with several cloud um, vendors on you know sort of key applications in their um, in their data center. Thanks, Ambarish. Operator, we have time for two more questions, please. No problem. Our next question comes from the line of Aaron Rakers with Wells Fargo. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, thank you uh, for taking the questions. Also, congratulations on the quarter. Um, I, I just I apologize to continue to go back to Epic, but just curious as we think about the ramp, you've mentioned that you have over 50 platforms uh, now in the market. I'm just curious if you were asked to, to characterize how many of those were shipping in volume. Uh, and what your expectation would be through the course of the remainder of this year in terms of those, you know, those turning into true meaningful volumes. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking about about that. I would say, you know, a number of those platforms, a, a large majority of those platforms, are shipping to multiple customers. So, you know, volume, of course, is all relative, but, um, you know, and the way we we count platforms are obviously platforms from the OEMs as well as platforms from ODMs, and um, a number of the cloud guys are doing their own platforms or specific uh, platforms. So I would say um, a large number of those, you know, the majority of those would have, um, uh, you know, are shipping to multiple customers. 
and you know production um, sort of the the uh, the scale of the production um, is uh, is what um, you know is uh, customer dependent so you know some of them are in hundreds of units some of them are in thousands of units some of them are in tens of thousands of units and you know different scale of, of numbers Okay, fair enough. And then as a quick follow-up, as we think about the, the ramp of, of some of your new platforms going forward, and we kind of, you know, tie that to your long-term gross margin target of, I think it was 40 to 44%, can you just remind us again of how we can think about the mix uh, in terms of the margin profile of some of the new businesses ramping, and how quickly maybe we should consider that 40-plus that percent targeted gross margin? Well, um, you know, we're guiding the third quarter to 38% um, gross margin. Um, that's uh, largely on the strength of the new product portfolio. Um, I think, uh, you know, what we've said before, which still holds, is our, our, you know, our Ryzen, our Epic, our Radeon data center products are all, all um, you know, in aggregate over 50% um, from a gross margin standpoint. So they're well above the corporate average. Um, I think we're starting to see the mix and that, uh, that margin um, accretion of the new products. And, and so we'll continue to, you know, to, uh, to do that over the next couple of quarters. So I guess it's Can fair to – yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to – I guess given the commentary around the fourth quarter and Epic, you know, really that being an important quarter, could we assume that – you know, gross margin from here continues to trend higher? Uh, well, I think it's fair to say that as we go into the second half of the year, um, our uh, new products will be a larger percentage of our overall uh, product revenue, and uh, that, is, uh, that is positive from a margin standpoint. Great. Thank you very much. Our final question comes from the line of Tim Arcuri with UBS. Please proceed with your question. Thank you. I had um, two. Um, I, I, I guess when I look at the stock, there's not. I'm not sure that there's a lot of doubt about the share gain targets this year, but maybe there is some question about the you know ability to sustain those targets next year and the year after. So I guess the question, first question is, um, what 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 are you doing differently this time that um, was not done in the uh, Opteron cycle? Are you giving your customers more visibility to your roadmap? Thank you. Uh, Tim, I think the the major thing that we're doing differently, um, you know, as a company and certainly around Epic is um, we're doing what we said we were going to do. Um, you know, we laid out a five-year roadmap for what we wanted to do in servers. You know, we told them what first-generation Epic would look like. Um, it came out um, a little bit better than they expected. Uh, we told them when to expect second-generation Epic and what we were trying to do with that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased to say that we're exactly on track to what we said we were going to do. And uh, we have a third generation, um, you know, behind that. So, you know, you know, our focus is to execute really, really well and provide, you know, customers a differentiation in the value proposition to uh, consider us as a long-term partner. You know, we are not after what happens over the next two quarters. I mean, this is extraordinarily you know, it's a journey for us with Epic, and um, you know, I think we feel good about what we've done, and the entire team is focused on delivering what we said we were going to do. Got it, Lisa. Thank you for that. Um, and then I guess just the, la the last question is really around the strategic um, foundry roadmap beyond 7 nanometer. Clearly, you have a lead now that, um, you know, because Intel is going to really, I think, functionally skip over 10 nanometer, which is great, and maybe it was, it's a little bit unexpected given, you know, when you you know, began development of these parts, but how do you think strategically beyond seven nanometer as you move to, uh, you know, five nanometer with your partner and where Intel will be at that time? Thank you. 
You know, what we see in the um, Foundry roadmap is, uh, is actually a, a very, you know, nice cadence of, um, of technologies. So um, we do believe 7 nanometer will be a large node. Um, there will be derivatives of 7 nanometer, you know, 7 nanometer, 7 nanometer plus. Um, you know, we have seen uh, the first view of 5 nanometer, and we think 5 nanometer is very competitive as well. So, you know, again, our goal is to use the best that process technology can offer in the foundry market and then differentiate on architecture and, um, you know, sort of, you know, sort of product positioning and, and those kinds of things. Thank ladies you very much, Tim. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our question and answer session, and I would like to turn the call back to Laura Graves for closing remarks. Thank you, operator, and to everyone who joined our call today for Q&A, thank you very much. Appreciate your time, and we'll speak to you again soon. This concludes today's teleconference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.